Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance from This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I'm your other host, Susan Fox. And with us are the people from Fugitive Frames, and they have a podcast called Newbie Star Trek. And I love the idea of this show. It's, yeah, it's this people is who be are a Star Trek being show. Intro- introduced to Star Trek, and I feel like the old auntie wanting to like pet them all and pinch their cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> you have, have so much, so much joyous, wonderful things to share. And with us today are Marvin Choi, Dan Dank, Ricardo Altreras, and Sarah Razak. Welcome to the show. Hi. Dan Dank is a is a handle of mine, but oh, uh, yeah, you can just call me Dan. Dan Dank. <laughs> Dan, Dan Kim. It's Dan Kim. Yeah, that's so, me. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's uh, it isn't often that we bring on the producers of another podcast to talk, but we had to talk to you guys uh, because what you're doing is so fresh. <laughs> And, uh, and you know, it's kind of a, a ray of sunshine with respect to Star Trek. You don't Thank get to, you. you know, you don't get to talk to people who have this fresh new take on it very often. Well, thanks for inviting us. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting because uh, at least Dan and I, uh, we've been friends since college. So at this point, I don't know. 11 years? 13? Um, more like 16. We met in, oh, we met in 05. <laughs> My sense of scale is completely off. Uh, so like 16 years. And yeah. then uh, back, even back, like way back then, we were like, it'd be cool. Like the idea of like a Star Trek rewatch thing would be fun. Uh, and then, but we, but we never really managed to get it together because of life. And then uh, Ricardo... Ricardo's actually been doing a lot of podcasting in general before us. And one day Ricardo invited me on to the, the film podcast and that was a lot of fun. And eventually I was like, Oh, we can, we can podcast now, especially cause now we're in quarantine. So we can kind of just do, right. <laughs> we have a lot of spare time. So, uh, I asked Ricardo if he wanted to be in the podcast with us and he was like, it's, but I've never seen star Trek though. And I was like, Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> so that means yeah, absolutely. we'll have someone with us who has never watched Star Trek before. And he actually uh, inspired the title of the show, Newbie Star Trek, because he's the newbie. Uh, 
And then later on, we added Sarah. Uh, Sarah is my partner who lives with me, and she also hasn't seen very much Star Trek. So uh-huh. that's that's kind of why the, the show came together that way. Oh, God, Gene and I are so on the other end of the scale. We'd met in high school at a Star Trek fan club, basically. And, oh, <laughs> oh wow. And that was like in the mid-1970s. So <laughs> we've been friends a long time. We've been married almost five years. <laughs> Wow, so That's Star a long Trek story. is a topic very near and dear to you guys. Yes, it this is. is. Your podcast isn't necessarily a Star Trek podcast, right? It's general science fiction, fantasy, okay. fact. Sci- we talk to scientists. We talk to all kinds of folks. But cool. uh, but this is part of our personal history, and we just think it's very cool that you're doing this. Well, thank you. Oh. Yeah, it's been very fun so far, and uh, we are about to embark on season three. And, of uh, which you know, show? That's... That's when, uh, yeah, of TNG, sorry. I keep forgetting to mention that it's TNG specifically. Um, and everyone, you know, people who are fans of the show um, can tell you that season three is a very good season. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots lots of great things happen in that season, so especially near the end of it. Um, <laughs> Better be good because the end of season two wasn't that great. <laughs> well, they wow. start yeah, that, picking up really, they start it? picking didn't, up really interesting guest stars. <laughs> Yeah, just admit, like I think we brought this up in the podcast itself, but just imagine being one of those people who caught it when it aired and, you know, you 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 watch the We Gotta Save Riker's Brain episode. That's just a clip show. Ugh. And then you're left with nothing for the whole summer. Yeah, I wouldn't be very what inspired do you, to come back. Do you have confidence in the show after that. It, that's, that's very interesting to think about for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's times like that. Of, you know, they could have bought any script. <laughs> a good script does not cost any more than a bad script. And they wasted it on this? Well, yeah. the, the, the fascinating thing is, is actually what happened is that uh, they spent – that season was an expensive season. So they spent all their money on Q Who, which was the Borg episode, mm. and also on the Sherlock Holmes episode, Elementary Dear Data. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that was – Yeah. So that was like, a costume yeah, those are very sp- Costly VFX, costly set dressing, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. And then at the end, the CBS was like, you owe us one more episode. And they were like, oh, we, we ran out of money. So <laughs> <laughs> what they ended up doing was this is literally what happened. I, I forget the name of the PA. The PA was told, hey, go through the old episodes and just find some clips and we'll just make this story around it really quickly. Uh, okay, and since uh, oh my God, I, I don't know no the demographics idea. of the people who necessarily listen to this podcast, what does PA stand for, Marvin? Oh, it's a uh, production assistant. Uh, it's like the person who's like on set. Uh, you know, like sets. You know, film sets tend to be like a like a military structure, so it's just like ranking basically. Right. PA would be like the entry level position where you're kind of just like, oh, I'm here just to help yeah, goes, however I can. It goes yeah. uh, director, <laughs> assistant director, and then PA. And that basically mm-hmm. the the production uh, production assistants are the assistant director's arms and legs. Uh, yes. yes. The assistant director, the best way to think of that uh, for movie work is like stage manager uh, mm. in in theater. See, the director of a play, mm-hmm. you know, he's directing the performance. The stage manager is just making sure everything else happens so that the director can get his stuff done. That's the way That's it is true. in film as well. And yeah. uh, so the assistant, the the assistant director is not. I mean, once you get up to the top of that food chain, 
the next jump is not director. That's it. Assistant mm-hmm. director is as high as you go in that hierarchy. If you want to be a director, you have to go direct something. And they don't yeah. let you do that. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's just a very being interesting ass- thing in the industry where, like, people who are lame in the industry, they go, oh, the assistants must eventually. It's the same thing for editors. Like, assistant a- editors, AEs, it's not the same job as an editor. It's not like they're just assisting the editor. They're doing a lot of technical back work. And yeah, like, there's like a schism between the creative and the utilitarian yeah. roles. And in fact, like a next step up from an AE, an assistant editor, might actually be a post production supervisor, not necessarily an editor, you know, depending on your track. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, yeah, because very, it's, it's an interesting thing that the it's hard for the, the, the structure of it is, is un, unknown for the public, I guess. <laughs> But I've never seen it compared to a stage manager. That's actually a really, really good way to really quickly explain it. Because usually the way I would explain an AD would be like, oh, they like help the director and make sure everything's going, I guess. But like, isn't there like, it's also a director. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, well, yeah. That's a really good explanation. Yeah, the, the stage manager makes sure that, uh, that uh, everything is where it's supposed to be when it's needed. And that's, mm, what, that's, right. what, a, uh, an, that's what an AD does. You know, yeah, make sure everything's absolutely. all coordinated, and it's it's a huge job. So definitely, yeah, I've I've spent some time in the trenches doing practical effects back in the eighties. So oh, that's cool. how I know. Cool. So, well, then you must be very well acquainted with the type of stuff they did. I TNG. actually made some of the props on TNG. So. Really? Yeah. I mean, we got friends who were involved yeah, with that cool. TNG and Voyager, and I've got I've got a Voyager, yeah. a, a, a screen used Voyager, and a communicator, and I've got Captain oh, Picard's ready wow. room window in my living room. Oh, <laughs> wow. yeah, the one that he, wow. yeah, the the, the he vertical gazes, one that he gazes out. He gazes out. Yeah, right. but it was really I have, just. I have a question. I have a lot of questions as a newbie. Um, what <laughs> is there? Is there a bed in the ready room? Is there a bed in the ready I room? Don't I don't think is, so. Is there, is there like a napping? Is just a couch in there? What's, no, what's the deal no, with the I don't ready think room? So. The, the ready <laughs> room, the regu- ready room is like a meeting room. You know? Yeah, it's got it's like a, a conference room with a table and chairs. Yeah, it oh, should okay. have a nap area, but it doesn't. I think they have to go I, back I to bet, the quarters. I bet Picard when he's tired. Would lay down. <laughs> I think should he should have a teddy bear. You know, I don't even think he had a, a reflective a, space blanket, like a cot in his <laughs> office or something. You know, <laughs> he's got. I know he's got his own personal bathroom. You know, oh, that's there's true. a head. Yeah, the captain's the schematic. Yeah. Is that is that, there, heads is that where he de- yeah. is that where he delivers his captain's log? That's the place. <laughs> <laughs> yuck! 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 Uh, she, she can't get through a description of that without hitting that joke. <laughs> it would be great if one episode he is doing the captain's log and it cuts to the interior and he is in the bathroom. <laughs> Just once. We awesome. know they have all thus far been recorded there. <laughs> That's where There's he gets good, all of his like, log got, work done. Yeah. It's got yeah, good, noise cancellation technology has yeah. advanced very far in the 24th century. <laughs> Well, you don't want noises escaping and getting into the bridge or smells. <laughs> right, so, right. It makes you would sense. hope that smell cancellation sense. technology has also advanced. <laughs> <laughs> the space bathroom jokes have been around since 2001, A Space Odyssey, and I am absolutely not kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a real aspect of human life that needs to be addressed. 
in the uh, what do they do? Beam it out? I mean, come on. Exactly. What do you do? <laughs> they reprocess oh it. I had, they... I had like a really weird. For some reason, when I was younger, I thought that's actually what they did. I thought they transported oh, that's right. you straight out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that even works, though. I don't know either. I I don't know why that's what I thought. That would be. I got a lock on your. That's an interesting Marvin. theory, it's your though. Large intestine. I think yeah. that would be very difficult, and I think that's a, not the sort of thing they do lightly. And, and I hope this isn't a big spoiler, but it is a minor matter in Voyager, where oh, yeah. uh, Ensign Wilder is having a little trouble giving birth to, to baby Naomi, and they beam the baby out. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Well, that beats the heck out of a C-section, doesn't oh. it? Well, sure. Why, that just, a, why that makes so much sense, that from though. the start, maybe. I, I why know, right? replace C-sections in general? Yeah, it is risky. You are you are very specifically trying to. Like, oh right, wait, but isn't the beaming? Didn't someone explain as a newbie? Didn't someone? It, it was explained to me that the beaming thing is really like taking you apart, particle by particle, and then like kind of. And then know, reassembling. You back together, yeah, it's a big is, existential conversation yeah. to have. But one, some people could argue that by transporting the baby copies. out, you are essentially killing, just killing the baby it, yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's an ongoing thing in original series where Dr. McCoy resists going on the transport, you know, scattering my atoms That's all true. over creation. Right, right. And every so often you might end up with a goatee. <laughs> and then there was that, uh, that episode where. Uh, Will Riker became becomes two people. Two people yeah. because the, the the transporter beam is reflected off a force field, and, and one came well, up and one didn't, oh. and they had no idea the other one was there. So they they go off on their wet, merry way, and 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 you know other Rikers on the surface going having been abandoned and. Has, has yeah. Is that an echo of that of that one episode of TOS where there were two Kirks, mm-hmm. or is that a similar setup? Yes and no. They kind of went, one is good and one is evil, and they have to reassemble them. Of course, the evil right, Kirk right, okay. isn't having any of it. He's having too much fun being evil. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, you're right. You know what? Given how many accidents we've seen occur in the transporter, it might be, it, I, I do agree, like, you know, because even Bones at the beginning, the first episode of TNG, he's like, I insist on a tra- on a, mm-hmm. a shuttlecraft. Shuttle, yeah, uh-huh. And then Dr. Mm-hmm. Pulaski is also like, I don't like being trans. I, I agree. <laughs> well, interesting how doctors are the ones who don't like it. I mean, mm, yeah, they must know yeah. something we don't. <laughs> that is I've a fun thing. Yeah. I've been saying it for, season, for two seasons now. There's got to be an investigation into the Enterprise. Their Their failure rate is off the charts. <laughs> yeah. They let, just, a, they let a child almost kill the ship like five times. And, <laughs> and, and the one time, the two times that someone's come to check up, check up on them, they're like, eh, it's fine. See you guys later. That's it. Well, later se- series that takes, pla- that takes place later um, don't have kids on board unless they were born there like Naomi. <laughs> Well, also recall that the person who did that inspection was actually an alien parasite man. There's that's that. true. So that's that true. they wanted. Yeah. To take- so he, he probably he might have had a reason to just let them slide. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We often talk about how, like, okay, so naked now, Wesley. Well, the whole ship is drunk, but Wesley's also drunk, and then Wesley manages to basically take over the ship. At that point, you would just shut. With after this crisis is over. 
Starfleet would probably just shut the whole thing down. <laughs> like, you let a child <laughs> take over the whole ship. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. but that's a reflection. Of, that was a se- of a sequel from an original series episode right, where right. where true, this true. this ensign takes pretty much takes over the ship, and you know, it's the same deal. Is that Riley? <laughs> It's Riley. Mr. It's Riley. Ensign Riley. Yeah. Basically, uh, I'll take race. you home again, Kathleen. God, it starts, you know, yeah, it starts being the uh, stereotype, you know, drunken Irishman and uh, starts issuing <laughs> foolish orders and, you know, locks the bridge out. And uh, I once had an Irish band sing sing the, the Kathleen song to me, Dead Sober. It wasn't any better. <laughs> All right. Well, now we know. Yeah. yeah, it's still lugubrious. I said again, Wesley Crusher should be brought up on war crime charges repeatedly, <laughs> and they just let him slide because you know underage can't touch him. No, yeah, underage, and that. at least yeah. for the season we just we just got through, his mom's head of medical at Starfleet. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, so. the other the other thing was that of course Wesley Crusher was supposed to be uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry's avatar in the show. He was, right. Yeah, he, he was, was a, a self-insert by yeah. um, definitely. It was that. Yeah, Wesley Crusher was Gene Roddenberry's Mary Sue. Hey, yeah, I was about to say mm-hmm. if I had if I had six figures to spend on you know per week, I'd I'd you know use it on a Mary Sue too. What can I say? But uh. <laughs> you know, and and people people are are frequently annoyed by Mary Sues, uh, Mary Sue characters, and uh, I think without realizing it, they were responding to the fact that that's what Wesley was. You know, maybe yeah. before they even realized yeah. that it was a Wesley, uh, a Wesley, Sue. Yeah. <laughs> a Mary that's Sue, the Wesley a Wesley Sue. Sue. <laughs> and we are not, we are not throwing any shade on Will Wheaton, who's an awesome guy. No, no, yeah, not yeah. at all. It's, it's no. I, I, I also always thought that one, a lot of scripts wrote way too young for Will Wheaton. Like, like a lot of them has like. Wesley speaking like, well, why wouldn't we do that? Why would why would people take drugs? Tasha, yeah, that makes no yeah. sense. Uh, you know, but it's like it's like a ten year old asking a question. When, yeah, when you know, he's supposed Wheaton... to be fifteen or sixteen yeah. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, look... <laughs> I I really like um, Wesley for like. There's that one episode where he grills Picard in that little when they're taking that trip together and he's like asking him about like marriage and like, why aren't you, you you know, like he's, I kind of like that. He's not afraid to like have those deep conversations. It's when we first hear about Picard's bar fight, right? Right. Right. Like, and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm kind of shy. I was, I was always kind of shocked that like, he's not afraid to like kind of go there sometimes, but maybe that's like a sign of being naive. Like, I don't know, but or like, I feel like you could take it that way um, because, you know, kids say the darndest things, you know? Yeah, like... <laughs> well, he didn't ask him on the bridge. This was, in a, you know, a private situation. He's almost like yeah. an uncle of who, that he, and he could ask stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, true. but it got, it got pretty deep, I felt like. You know, like, he was asking, like, the real questions. <laughs> like, right away. Yeah. Like, he, like, like, like Picard oh. invites him over for for cucumber sandwiches, and he's like, "Okay." He sits down and immediately goes, "So why aren't you married?" Yeah, like, that's like a really weird question. Like, you know, and to ask your, you know, someone who is a captain, you know, like I'm not sure I would ever, if alone with my boss, I'd be like, 
yeah, so why aren't you married? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> what's going on with you? Like, what's up? Because <laughs> he's a Thanks. kid. And and I think that, like you say, I think they were writing him a little younger than the character's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, a nine-year-old might time, ask that. A 16-year-old, probably, yeah, I wouldn't think so. But it's interesting because in that exact same scene, Picard then goes, how about you, Wesley? How do you, how are your relationships go? And then Wesley replies, oh, as far as women are concerned, I have no problems. And it's like, like, I've got it yeah. all under control. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like two different writers wrote Wesley's well, arts. Well, in, in, in defense of that statement, Riker is teaching him the ways of the ladies' man, you know? Mm. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. You yeah. can some cues from that. Definitely. He's yeah. very impressionable, yeah. And Riker yeah. is is the Kirk of that ship, so... And at yeah, least to Picard's credit, he, you know, takes that, you know, he goes like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, he has <laughs> that sort of reaction. Which he should. I'm not sure he even buys that from Riker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Riker is a total ladies' man for sure. Yeah, it's it's all about the beard. I think he <laughs> no. wanted to Riker's think very of him. Hot on TikTok. <laughs> you know, yeah, but there was really only one girl for him, as we found out in the end. You know. Well, they well, haven't. Well, we'll, we'll get, get there. The, the, yeah, they yeah, haven't even gotten the lady, there yet. The lady from the sex planet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, 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 not the not the lady from the sex planet. Imzadi, no. from the very beginning, he and, he and uh, you know, remember when, when we just started in Next Generation, she, uh, mm-hmm. Troy was, you know, Deanna Troy was his old girlfriend, and, oh, is this going to be a problem on the ship? No, 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 we'll be fine. <laughs> well, he he hasn't seen past, he hasn't first, seen that far. Excuse me, first I've episode, only, they yeah, were, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. no, but, the, but the, the way it ended up, he definitely hasn't seen that. I know, but. I'm, I'm, I, but I knew that, but I knew that from the start because I'm, okay. a, I'm a romantic that way. <coughs> yeah, there you that, go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was uh, in the uh, uh, mid '80s. I was working for a, a prop shop called Modern Props, <laughs> and I was their electronics specialist. So I was the guy that made. And anything that had blinky lights, I was the one that did it. Were you still there when Star Trek uh, Next Generation came up? um, Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was. So what blinky lights things did you make there? Well, um, there were these – that episode where um, uh, Data meets his father for Mm -hmm. the first time, Noonie and Son, in the laboratory. That Uh that – uh, the bench with the laser beams that go back and forth oh. and it goes blinkity binkity binkity bink. The, the famous yeah. laser bench that's yeah. in everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and yeah, uh, that's, cool. that's been in a, that's and, been in a bunch of things too. I there's think this, there's this too. YouTube video, which has got like literally dozens of different shows where they rented out this same laser bench and it's let's <laughs> last starfighters one of them they even like made a cartoon version of it and put it in lower decks i mean it's that you oh, wow. yeah it's been in yeah. it's been in 200 shows plus and, and wow yeah the, 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 <laughs> what a career yeah yeah <laughs> way better career actually, than a lot of actors huh yeah i just i i actually uh i actually just worked with that prop mostly to check it in and check it out and get it on and off the trucks uh but uh but you did wiring yeah i did yeah i did wiring for a bunch of other stuff like in in the uh, in the back of uh behind them the the tall vertical uh wall panels 
the the two, there are a couple of uh, black wall panels with uh, neon bars that run horizontal, uh, and they they're blinking back and forth. And I did the blinky electronics for that. You're the blinky man. And, yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, like in the the opening opening season of Knight Rider, when they drive the car up into the into the van, they have these blinky blinky light boxes hanging from the ceiling. I did the electronics for that, and you know, stuff like that. Uh, but, but this isn't about you. This no, is about isn't. newbie Trek. No, this is fascinating right. because uh, no, well, crazy, a big part yeah. of what we what we do on our podcast is like we we try to look at uh, the, the behind the scenes also of how some of the episodes are made. So like a big part of our podcast is like uh, we do like we call our section around the sun. So we go back to the air date and see what kind of happening around that time. So we know. Context. For historical context, what what it uh-huh. felt like to watch the episode at the time, and then uh, I try to find as much trivia. Both all of us actually uh, try to find trivia about what was going on in production at that time, like that, like uh, like Michael Okuda and his friend were like big anime fans, so the the show's like full of anime references right. and stuff like that, and like yeah, it's just a lot of neat stuff in in TNG. Well, the famous it's, Okuda grams on the on the oh, yeah, wall yeah, panels yeah. that you'll never really be able to read, but it's all like Buckaroo Banzai and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's an episode of uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager that had uh, Dwayne Johnson in it, where they oh, were yeah. fighting in an arena. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! And, and uh, you read the markings on the arena, and it has to do with some anime. You know, Does it in really? Japanese. Yeah. Now I gotta go look at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah that... We did experience some <laughs> exposure to like anime references in a Japanese arena because um, when Riker faced off against his dad in the Ambo Jutsu match when he first got reunited with him after being estranged for so long, um, yeah, all that stuff was around the arena, and we kind of did a little breakdown of what you could see there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yep. Exactly like Urusei that. Yatsura, right? That was the anime. Yeah, Urusei Yatsura is the anime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because we, uh, I just I asked on Twitter, Michael Okuda, was this you? And then someone also asked Michael Okuda. <laughs> They're like, oh I think no, he responded one, to the other guy. Yeah, he responded to the other guy. He was like, oh no, that wasn't that wasn't me. That was uh, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's my friend, Michael Blokuda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some other guy. So, uh, you've got a you've got a pretty good dynamic going on for your show. I mean, this is this is good stuff. I mean, it's it's like it's like Thank sitting you. in the living room and and just shooting the breeze. Yeah, that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted it to feel pretty casual. I mean, I mean, the original name of the the podcast before uh, we realized Ricardo had never seen Star Trek before was Casual Star Trek. So we kind of right. want to just be like a, a rewatch of Star Trek kind of casually. And like all of us have known each other for a while. Like Sarah's my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, I've known him since college. Ricardo and I worked together at like a trailer house for a really long time. And we would just mess around a bunch of Nerf gun fights and whatnot. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. it ended up being sort of just like a, eh, let's just hang out with Star Trek. Because cause Star Trek's fun in that way where it's like, there's, There's enough of... dumb stuff about it that you yeah. can always have fun, like, you know, pointing it out and laughing. But, you know, there's always a core of, like, it's Star Trek is nevertheless good. Yeah. You it's can like, always come it's, back to it. Star Trek is this weird, at least, like, 
for me and my understand and the way I have grown up watching TNG and Voyager and Deep Space Nine is that like it's it's got a core of really good storytelling, really good world building, really good characterization, and then every once in a while there's just layer of dumb just smeared <laughs> on it. <laughs> which yeah, makes this, it fun. The, the, sometimes the, we the crap around the edges. <laughs> you know, it's 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 like a it's like a pizza. It's cooked great <laughs> on the end, but once you get out towards the edges of the crust, it can get pretty pretty rank. <laughs> oh, but it's crunchy and good, you know, and, no, and but you'll like, always like, remember like, it. Okay, like, okay. Like, like the first season of TNG is is like uh, infamous for being a terrible season, but like when we rewatch first season of TNG, we had a lot of fun. Like it's a lot of fun watching the show even when you're like ah this isn't great but it's still fun watching a worm crawl out of a guy's mouth and then uh, yeah. Riker, and <laughs> Riker and Picard have to shoot his head off you know yeah, it's and still like as, fancy. as silly and nonsensical as it can get like it's it's always charming so yeah. there's always a lesson you always have to learn like there's something something or about. you know like I, well there's that that measure of a man one where like you know they bring oh, up these like very like um, <laughs> Ricardo <laughs> that's a that's a banner episode and Ricardo can't make his favorite joke about it unfortunately that's <laughs> a PG podcast. No, no, man, no man was measured oh I get joke. it the measure of a man <laughs> yuck yuck fair enough maybe not the greatest title for an episode but, um, all I know is that he said he was fully functional ask Tasha you have to take his word for it mm-hmm. so um i mean that was like a whole like our you know our robots or ai's you know human well that and that's human. that's something that they're gonna have to figure out human sooner right. or later you know mm-hmm. so that was that was an interesting there's always these like dilemmas well, and and it's revisited in uh trek later on i mean um I, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, it, it is revisited later. This is mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Measure I am of the aware Man that, is not yeah, the, the last ramifications word. of Measure of a Man are felt throughout, or, or <laughs> you know, elsewhere. Are, are they are they measured later? Are these measured later? <laughs> some, <laughs> of them, some of them are very <laughs> short indeed later. because they're about nanites, so they're microscopic. Mm, um, okay, right, right, okay yeah. now we're getting weird. <laughs> but we're not talking about any of my exes, so never mind. <laughs> no, but uh, the question does come up again in uh, Star Trek Picard. Um, Star Trek Picard. Yeah, whole first right. season. Yeah, the, the entire first. Yeah, the entire first season is all about that. Yeah. So it's it's so, Measure of a Man so interesting because it's like, like season two is like very good and very poor you know at the same time obviously measure of a man is like one of the highlights of that season and it's just so interesting how it's like hey we this is a spec script let's develop it you know that's like that's for one it's already super rare to have a a spec script for an existing tv show to actually get adapted usually it's just to like like a portfolio script you know it's just like kind of show it off their their writing skill versus like actually adapting it like it's usually more of a resume right yeah, it's more just to be yeah. like, look how well I could write for mm-hmm. your show. But the fact that they were like, no, let's immediately take it. And it's just this really amazing. Like, 
it's it's one of the episodes. It's probably my favorite episode of Star Trek in general of all time. Uh, and it's just so it's so early on in the show. Uh, and when we covered it, I really wanted to like really make sure that we cover it really well. And like it's just very well written, which is so interesting for a spec script. Like Melinda Snodgrass really hit it out of the park with that script when she was just like, "I'm a big Star Trek fan. I just want to know if." if they'll like this and it's 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 amazing that gene roddenberry almost killed it because <laughs> he, he didn't like the idea of lawyers existing in the, the world of star trek oh well, yeah, too yeah bad, that was because that already exists through and through but lawyers but they they had you know the wolf in the fold how about court martial oh yeah that too <laughs> yeah that's interesting yeah but apparently there was a meeting between the two of them where melinda was presenting the script to him and he was like well uh, and this is a world where we wouldn't have lawyers. And then she was like, well, I guess we can't do the script. Then. <laughs> There's no story. But then uh, I wonder if originally it was supposed to be like a space lawyer, but then they they kind of twisted it into a court martial scenario because then it's within the structure of Starfleet. And yeah, so it's more plausible that way. I'm not yeah, maybe. sure. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't know what what happened uh, with idea. the original version of the script. But it's very I interesting. I don't get it anyway because I mean, at this point, Data's a, a lieutenant commander. He's been in there a while. Hasn't yeah, Starfleet yeah, <laughs> already made its decision about Data? Yeah, isn't that precedent already? But he wouldn't whatever. be. He wouldn't be an officer. He'd be like not co- you know cargo. He'd be ship's equipment. <laughs> He'd be that really good computer we we send on away missions. Yeah. Well, I, I think that <laughs> might speak to that could speak to um a reality that, you know, certain people of um marginalized demographics face where you're never done proving yourself. Boy, if that's there's a deep truth there. Yeah, yeah there you go. True. No, I I agree with that. I think that's uh you know, Star Trek has always kind of been about that. Um it's the metaphor, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I always Star Trek love... is such a progressive like series or franchise yeah. in general. It's and always been say, the type oh, of stop making Star like... Trek so woke. Have you seen <laughs> Star Trek? You... But it's always I always find it funny when people say that because people are like, old Star Trek, like this new Star Trek is very woke. It's very like they're being too preachy, and they're like, did you did you watch? The whole series? <laughs> All the I old saw shows. was pew, pew, and, pew, kill the Klingons. <laughs> they didn't And see. the old shows were very pro- – like they're fairly progressive for now, a lot of them. But for their time, they were very progressive for their time. You know? Well, that's well, the anti-war – That's in the mantra of Star Trek. Yeah, the anti-war episodes, the anti-racism. I mean black on one side and white on the other. The anti-religion <laughs> episode, uh, Bread and Circuses. Mm-hmm. You know, that one. Well, it was and it wasn't at the end. Well, I, I suppose, yeah, you know, but it, it all came. Oh, and uh, 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 which episode was the one that had Landrew in it? Mm. Uh, what was that? Now, now I've blanked. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this. Uh, no, I'm I'm already on, I've already got memory alpha. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I knew this would happen. Yes, we are now familiar with Memory Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> the Return of the Archons? Return of the Archons. That was That's the one, it. yeah. You know, how how uh, how uh, a, a religion becomes a cult and how a cult can damage mm-hmm. a society. And it's all that pesky uh, Prime Directive thing. 
and they, favorite they, subject. And they revisit the especially. I hate the Prime Directive. <laughs> it keeps changing. They keep changing the goalposts. Well, That's because true. it does feel that way sometimes. Well, because Wait, the life... Prime Directive again? The Prime Directive Exactly. Is... No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> is it like you can't you can't just well, I don't know. I'm taking a guess. The interesting part can't... of the Prime Directive is that there's nowhere in like canon Star Trek where it's been written down. I think it's been written down technically in like novels, but in actual canon Star Trek, I think it's just sort of been like Generally talked about, I think generally it's like if a species hasn't achieved warp travel, don't talk to them, don't interfere. It's a pretend you don't exist to them. Uh, but they violate that a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and not under the pretense of like, uh, it's not even always under the pretense of like distress. Like, you know, like Pen Pals was like, oh, there's it's distress. We have to save this girl because their whole planet. Oh yeah, that's right. But like, yeah. there was that planet but where even then that distress was almost a bit of a technicality because yeah, like they were waiting for that to kind of trip to be like, okay, now we can save your friend data. You know. Yeah, yeah. But what was what was Is the episode? Someone gonna rescue us on planet Earth. <laughs> no. Get to that point. That's all I kept thinking. Is like, now we're, I'm beginning now to, we're, well, that we have to save the whales. That's why. Ah uh, <laughs> yes. Data Perfect. went in the night. He he kidnapped a child. Yeah. <laughs> no one says anything. Yeah. He takes her away from her planet, and then he wipes her mind. And no one says, "Isn't it a little sketchy?" Everyone's like, "Yes, we did a great Very job." <laughs> but like, like, like Justice. Remember the in season one there was a the episode Justice where uh, they're like, "Oh, everyone here is scantily clad, and uh, they're all very friendly. They don't know anything about space travel, but let's hang out with them." <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. one was that. Yeah, was they were willing lot. to do shore leave on a non-warp travel achieved planet. Yeah, yeah, but they strange. weren't giving them any phasers or computers or anything. Uh, they didn't I seem to have any problem. Yeah, yeah, I guess they were only they giving existed. them STDs. <laughs> <laughs> and here, here, I thought the prime directive was put it in the broiler, four hundred degrees, seven and a half minutes on a side. <laughs> <laughs> Low and slow. <laughs> That's the, what you want. The broiler kind of stun the strain cotton. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh. So, how far along in your next generation journey are you guys? You were talking up to the second, you know, Shades yeah. of Grey, the second end of the second season. Yeah, we yeah, just we're actually season. Yeah, yeah, we're about to get into the uh, season three. Yeah, that's so, when things get. How many seasons are there? And seven. someone has no idea? Okay. There's seven of TNG, seven, seven of Deep, Deep Space Nine, and seven of Voyager. And so seven be... of nine. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that's true. Seems like endless content. <laughs> Only right, four and that's not of getting it... into Picard or Lower Decks or the movies. The movies. Or, Lower Decks is you know, just... Or the Kelvin timeline. I, or... think, I think Lower Decks is not... Not for you if you haven't really been involved in Star Trek at all before. It's just that's true. It's it's, it's funny, like, haha. Yeah. But but the Easter eggs are for all the people who've been there the whole time. That makes total sense. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. You know, I, I get a lot plan... out of out of out of lower decks. I you know I I know I realize that Prodigy is I am not the target audience, but I'm still enjoying it. That's true. It's like there's bits of Picard. There's bits of uh discovery where i've been like yeah this is not 
uh, I'm like I'm I would I would not call myself like like uh, the biggest most well-knowing Star Trek fan. Like I'm a, I'm a fan of Star Trek, but you know I can't I you know I still reference Memory Alpha if I have to remember something. Uh, but it, you know it's it's one of those things where I I watch Discovery <coughs> and I watch Picard. I'm like, eh, that's not quite what I was looking for. But I can see why people would like it. I get it, and I get that Star Trek has to kind of keep up with the times of what type of content people are looking for now. But there is nice, there is stuff like Lower Decks where it's like, hey, if you've seen all this stuff, this is this is really funny for you. And like, and the old shows are always there. So like, you know, that's why I've been really enjoying rewatching the series with all these fine people. You know. Well, that's lovely. Well, you guys have a great time doing it too. <laughs> I'm glad to see that it that is yeah. properly conveyed in our episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I, I wanna can I can I give a, a public service announcement here? Absolutely. I always do Absolutely. it. I always do it on our podcast. But look, I'm gonna save you some time. If you're easily offended by uh, crude humor, sexual humor, uh, bathroom humor, and basically anything that's kind of cruel, this, this isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. To hear the podcast, people should go to FugitiveFrames.com. The name of the podcast is Newbie Star Trek. Our guests this evening have been Marvin Choi, Dan Kim, Ricardo Altreras, and Sarah Raysack. Thank you so much for being on this episode of The Event Horizon. Thank you so much for having us. You have been listening to episode 229 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, November 13th, 2021. Our guests this evening have been Marvin Choi, Dan Kim, Ricardo Altreras, and Sarah Razak, the cast of the Fugitive Frames podcast called Newbie Star Trek. To hear their podcast and their other shows, visit FugitiveFrames.com. This episode will air again on November 14th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported. Sci-Fi Geek Culture Radio and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to please visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 a month to help keep this station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi fandom radio station. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2021 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.